to episode three of Love Life with Jax. Today we're going to be looking at a new name. What is the worst thing you've ever been called? What's the best thing you've ever been called? Have you ever wondered what God calls you? We've adopted two kids into our family and our eldest daughter, Jada, she was named Jada by her birth mother and we felt that was quite significant and so we kept that name, but we wanted to add something to it and so we added the name Grace and we called her Jada Grace or even just Gracie and she loved it and we loved it. It was such a term of endearment and affection from us and for her and over the years as she started to enter her early teens and really starting to come to terms with her identity and struggle a bit with her past and what had happened before she had become adopted and just starting to feel a bit embarrassed and ashamed around certain things, she actually dropped the name Grace and she refused to be called by it. She wouldn't allow us to introduce her as Jada Grace anymore. She was just Jada. She had stickers for her stationery at school and she cut off the part that said Grace and would just stick Jada onto her pens. And it caused us sadness over those years and we prayed into it. And then God came through for us. And there was this moment in a church service where a lady got up and she felt that she had a prophetic word, a word from heaven, a word from God for Jada. And she said to her, Jada Grace, your name is Grace and God sees your name as Grace and that it is a significant name for him because it, it stands for something, that the G stands for grace and the grace that he has washed you with. The R stands for radical and that he sees you is radical. And the A stands for adopted, but not just adopted, adopted with accessibility to the Father. And she carried on and just unpacked this most beautiful meaning behind the word grace for our daughter. And it became something that was very significant for her. The moment was significant for her and the name became very significant for her. So much so that now, a number of years later, she's now 18 and she would like to get either a piece of jewelry with engraving grace or even a tattoo if she goes is is that way inclined with the initials G-R-A-C-E the name grace that has significance in heaven and significance for her and for the for our family and for her adoption and for her inclusion into our family and not just ours but into the family of God. Our other little boy that was adopted uh, he was abandoned at the age of probably about four and he was young at the time and so he couldn't actually with the trauma and with his uh, with his youth, he didn't actually know what his name was when he was abandoned. He didn't know his correct birth date or even his age. And so the police officer issued him with the name Intercausal, which simply meant cheerful boy. And it was an acceptable label at the time, but didn't have terribly much significance and meaning for him. And Intercausal prayed hard and he prayed for the next two years after his after he was abandoned that he would have a family, that he would have a family, that he would have a grandpa and that he would have a bicycle. <laughs> he had three prayers and he prayed those prayers many times. And I remember the incredibly beautiful day that Richard and I drove him home and introduced him to his family and to his grandparents. And a surprise to all of us, there was a family in our community that felt led, felt that God had 
impressed upon them to give him a bicycle. And so he got all three things that he'd been praying for on one day. And a couple of weeks later, we were sitting on the bed, Richard and I, and into Corsor at the time. Uh, and he said to us, did you know, mom and dad, that God really does hear your prayers? I prayed for a family and for a grandpa and for a bicycle, and I got all three things in one day. <laughs> and he said to us, you know, I also would like a name. You you gave, he knew that we'd given Jada Grace the name Grace, and he asked that we would give him a special and significant name too. And so we had, Richard and I had been speaking about it. And so we said to him, well, there actually is a name that means God hears my prayers and that God answers my prayers. Would you like that name? He loved that idea. And so we started to call him Samuel, which means God answers and God hears my prayers. And it was so sweet as we named him that on the bed. I'll never forget the moment as he we said to him, all right then, Samuel. And he just burst into laughter and covered his face. And he it was the cutest thing as he was coy and embarrassed and trying to get used to the new th- the new name and he went running down the passage and told his brothers and sisters you guys can't call me into cause anymore I've got a new name my name is what's my name <laughs> Samuel oh yes my name's Samuel and then he had a little nap that day and when he woke up we had guests and he ran out to the guests and he said hi, uh, hi and he greeted them by name he said you need to call me by my new name I've got a new name my name is uh, what's my name again, mom? I keep forgetting. (laughs) My name is Samuel. It was such a beautiful thing. Names are significant, aren't they? Did you know that when you get adopted into the family of God, that God gives you a new name? Did you know that when you persevere like Samuel did, that when you push past the awkwardness of that new name and getting used to something that you're not used to being called, that that you get to take hold of this new name, that when you persevere like Jada did and pass the identity crises, the, the confusion and, and the shame around having to need a new name, that when you overcome these awkwardnesses and these, I'll pass it, when you overcome, that you when you grow into your new name, that you have a new identity. In Isaiah 62 verse 2, we read that you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And in Revelations 2 verse 17, it says to everyone who overcomes, I will give a brilliant white stone and on that stone will be written a new name, a brilliant stone. Some translations even say a diamond, something that is permanent and, and new and beautiful and pure. Lisa Bevere says a beautiful quote. She says this, I am alive to grow into the likeness of my new name. And obviously this is significant. It's not just a name like, oh, I really don't like the name Jackie. I hope in heaven God calls me Chloe or Lucy or Amber. That's a little bit more creative and beautiful and perhaps more modern. Not like that, obviously. It's it's around our essence, the name that describes our identity, the very essence of who you are and who you are called to be. And so for today's episode, I really just want to look at where does our new name come from? How can we know who we are in Christ? And probably this is going to be broken up into two parts. But for today, I just want to look at where did Jesus get his identity from? 
there are uh, different viewpoints on this that perhaps Jesus got his idea that he knew who he was right from the moment of conception or when he was born and moment of first consciousness or perhaps when he was a, a teen or 12 years old and went off into the temple and said that he was in his father's house but many theologians and scholars would say that it could have been the moment of his baptism and we read in Matthew 3 verse 16 that there's this incredible moment where Jesus goes into the desert into the quiet, empty place where the Jordan River is. And he is baptized by John, John who's known as the baptizer. And as Jesus was baptized, from verse 16 in Matthew 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So in this passage that we read, where does Jesus get his identity and his calling from? It's from heaven and from the voice of the Father, from the voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. And so where should us as followers of Jesus get our identity and our calling from? Where should we get our new name from? (laughs) Obviously from heaven and from the voice of the Father. And yet so many of us get it from so many different places. We get it from our performance. I am what I do. Our resume is more than just a resume. We often would say that it defines us, that we would introduce ourselves at parties. Hello, who are you? What do you do? Ah, I'm Jackie and I am pastor or I am an engineer or I am a dancer. And what we do would define us. We would want people to think that we're important because of what we do. Or perhaps from our possessions. I am what I have or I am what I have, what what I wear, what I text on, what I drive. Because our possessions, are so much more than just our possessions. We want them to say something about us. We want where we live, the home that we can afford. We want it to say something about us. We would choose to wear a particular shoes or a particular jacket because it says something about us. It defines us and we want to project a certain identity because of our possessions. We get our identity from our performance, what we do from our possessions, what we have, perhaps from our pleasures, what we want, that we would define ourselves as coffee lovers or foodies or travel addicts or whatever it is. Perhaps we would get our identity from our popularity. I am what others think of me. This is such a dangerous trap and so many of us would fall into this in some form or another that we would walk into a room and we would feel the pressure to be a little bit cooler than we really are, that we would want to project an image into the room that's cooler and smarter and funnier and prettier depending on whatever whatever type of environment we're walking into. Perhaps we put on a particular accent as we heard with Ngobile in the last episode that we would want to sound a little bit more English or a little bit more Zulu or a little bit more whatever it is that would make us uh, make other people think we're something and therefore would define us and give us an identity. I've heard it said that vanity is the laying of ourselves out for the estimation of others. That vanity, we know, is emptiness. It's vain. It's empty. It's laying ourselves out so that other people can can have an opinion of us. But conceit is allowing what we suppose other people's opinions of us to be to define our own opinions of ourselves, that we allow their opinions to shape our own. So it's turning the vanity of laying ourselves out for the emptiness 
craziness of other people's opinions into a complete deceit that conceit is allowing those opinions to have real estate in our minds and to define our own opinions of ourselves. We get our identities from our performance, I am what I do, our possessions, I am what I have, pleasure, I am what I want, popularity, I am what others think of me, or even our past, I am what I have done, I am the things that I've done, my addictions, my failures, the things that I've done in the past, rightly or wrongly, that are good or bad, we allow these things to define us. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He calls you by your new name, by your true name, by the very essence of who you are. This is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but very often it just shows that we get our identity from so many things. And the danger is that our identity is linked to our self-worth, is linked to our security, and it's linked to our happiness, linked to our worth, because we think we're important because of who we are or what we drive or the things that we've done. They define our worth so often. They define our security because in the essence, we're, we're really tribal beings at our call. We want to be safe. There's safety and belonging. There's safety in numbers. And if we belong to a certain group, to a certain religion, or to a certain exercise group, or to a certain group of people who love coffee, or whatever it is, then we feel that we have security there. Our identity is linked to our happiness, because if I think I'm safe, if I think I'm worthy, then I'm happy. If I like what I see in the mirror, then I feel happy. If I like what I see with the number of people that are following me, and giving me attention, and have positive of opinions about me, then it makes me feel happy. But all of the identities that I've mentioned are rooted in sinking sand. They're rooted in earth. They're not rooted in heaven. They're rooted in things that can be taken away because what I have can be taken away. What other people think about me will be taken away. People's opinions go up and down like the wind, don't they? But my performance, I might do well today, but I'm only as good as my last performance. I'm only as good as our last meeting or our last conversation or the last win that I had. All of these things are not stable enough to root our identity. So one of the key things that we need to learn as we follow Jesus, as we apprentice ourselves to Jesus, as John Mark Comer would say in his teaching around these, and I've learned so much from him, much of this has come from his teachings that our calling is not from earth. Our identity cannot be rooted in earth, but it needs to be rooted in heaven. It needs to be rooted in that voice from heaven and that beautiful new name that God would call us, that we are alive to grow into our new name. Just as Jada and Samuel are given a new name when they're adopted into our families, that we are given a new name as we're adopted into the family of God, and that we are alive to grow into the likeness of our new name. So tune in next week as we speak a little bit more in episode four around how we get that identity. We we heard today that Jesus got his identity from a voice from heaven, that it was clear and defined and really great. And it would be amazing if we could have that heaven open up experience and the voice from heaven speaking over us. And actually that's what next episode is going to be about. So tune in next week to hear what it is that Jesus does call you and what is the new name that he has for you. As I close off this week I would just like to leave you with this beautiful concept that you are alive to grow into your new name and that you are called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give 
Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to carrying on with this topic next week in episode four and growing into our new names. Have a great day and a great week.